Welcome, everybody, to the first pilot episode of Bare Naked Money, our, our attempt at putting together something in the form of a podcast that we hope you find interesting and useful. Thought I'd give you a little bit of background as to why we chose Bare Naked. So we're going to tell you the whole story. You know, So there's going to be no hidden corners. There's going to be nothing that we obfuscate. We're going to try to really shine a bright light on topics that we, we choose to talk about. It's a pretty topical thing right now, Josh. I mean, everybody's uh, getting their information off this thing called Reddit. You know, as a young guy who's, who's getting all his information off the interweb, you must know all about that. Yeah, uh, I won't, wouldn't say I know all about it, but, but you mentioned Reddit, and I think part of our focus today is is going to be bad financial advice. And what does it look like when you're getting bad financial advice? And of course, we're going to be a little bit biased on this. Uh, as advice giver, givers ourselves, but the Reddit thing has become extremely fascinating, especially over the last week. We've seen the whole GameStop story, which may have played out at this point. We're a weekend. It's already played out. Silver's the new thing. I don't know if you've heard that, but I, I watched a TikTok video. Yes, I, I did watch a TikTok <laughs> video today. And it was a guy saying silver is the next thing. Silver is going to be bigger than GameStop, so so go out and buy silver. I think he suggested buying four ounces of silver, uh, and every man, woman, and child in the United States should have four ounces of silver to make this happen. So a lot to unpack here with just this one. And when I look at the advice space today, especially when it comes to money, Technology and social media have made it easier and easier to give financial advice and to receive financial advice. But at the same time, I would say that the quality of advice has gone down. Yes, people take information in the field they'll be given advice. And you know, sometimes there's a thin line between the, the two. Um, but yeah, information absolutely is easier to get out there. And people are all the time using the microphone available to them to spread whatever they like. And if it's interesting, people will continue to share it. But no, I don't think it's as much advice as it is information is easier to get. Yeah, and, and that's fair. So let's just unpack this Reddit thing to talk to, to start because it, it is absolutely crazy. A few weeks ago, the folks on Reddit, they banded together and said, well, you know, GameStop, this is one of our, our favorite companies. We shop at GameStop all the time. There's a whole bunch of short sellers out there. Let's all bid up the stock. Let's start buying shares of GameStop. And with 4 million followers or something on this Wall Street bets subreddit these days, that's a lot of buying power going after a company. So despite the lack of success that GameStop has experienced over the last decade, if you have enough people throwing enough money at something, it's going to go up in value. Should it go up in value? I guess that's something for you know us as, as sort of historians of the market to debate a little bit and people that focus on the actual fundamental success of a business. But the bottom line is for a short period of time anyway, you can definitely inflate the value of stock. And I don't know if you could even really call this advice. Maybe there needs to be something a little bit more substantial, but there's certainly been people out there that have made money by investing in, in GameStop and other stocks like it that have a high amount of short interest from the form of Reddit. And well, I, I think that's what the key is, Josh, There's people have made some good money off this. There's a business model here. For me, everything is about the business model. I attended a, a, a seminar that was put on one time by a mathematician. Yes, yes, I'm that guy. I go listen to mathematicians talk. 
And before he started his presentation, somebody was, people were peppering him with questions about, you know, about becoming a millionaire. And he kind of offhandedly gave the acceptance. Well, that's easy. You want to become a millionaire? Give me a list of 64,000 names. You do up a newsletter. Half of them, you predict the market's going to go up. Half you predict the market's going to go down. You're right in half of them. So you've got 32,000 the second time. You do the same thing. You keep dividing the list by two. After six newsletters, you've been right six times in a row to 1,000 people. You send them a note saying, send me 1,000 bucks. I'll keep sending you my newsletter because my big supercomputer is going to keep predicting the markets. 1,000 people send you 1,000 bucks. You're a millionaire. Now, the problem is, as mathematically true as that is, it's illegal. It's called fraud. So you know the business model behind these things, typically somewhere in the start, the first few people through the door now have a vested interest in turning this into something big. And the subreddit gives them a real happy audience who can share things really easy and build the buzz. And so the first people through the door on things like this stand to make a lot of money. So you know, as much as you know, it's being portrayed as it's just the people rising up against Wall Street, you know, I think if we look closely at this, no, it's not necessarily that. It's a little bit more nefarious. And I think that when you know the SEC and those people get involved and look at it, they're going to have some opinions as to how these things got started and what was good or bad about them. Yeah, I, one of the things that you brought up there that I think is super important is it's really hard to distinguish good advice from bad advice if all you're doing is looking at the results of that advice. Because like you said, if you put enough uh, predictions out there and look there's there's thousands or millions of people that are commenting on markets these days with predictions of this and that and the other thing at some point one of them is going to be right and at some point a handful of them are going to be right multiple times in a row to make them look really really smart and then you start focusing on the results focusing uh, and following those supposedly really smart people when really they just got lucky for a little while like if you flip a coin enough times you're going to get 10 heads in a row as unlikely as it is so that's just speaking to the luck that that comes into play with investing and you can't really focus just on the results when when you're trying to look for this good advice yeah it's been described as the halo effect somebody makes money how did you do it well, you know, then they tell the story about what they eat for breakfast. Oh, everybody should eat that for breakfast because they made money. And I exercise three times a week. Oh, if I want to make money, I need to exercise three times a week. I mean, there's there's this obsession with, you know, finding the shortcut or finding the secret. So you see somebody who's successful at something who's, who's, who's you know, by successful meaning they made money at something. And now it's, oh, they must be smart. Well, easy. You know, you know, people, sometimes it is just dumb luck. And we see that in our world. We've taken a close look at some money managers who have a very successful track record, only to find out there's not a whole lot behind how they got there. Good for them. I'm glad for them and their family that they did well for themselves. But, you know, it's not always true that there's something really meaningful there that's, that's, that's going to make this a replicatable thing. So, and, and again, the, the Reddit thing is, is, is got some traction and it's, it's, it's got a good narrative and it's getting some good coverage and the early people in are doing really well with it. But again, it's, it, you know, again, it's not advice, it's information. It's interesting because you see when it comes to, to finance, especially the same type of schemes come up over and over again throughout history. You know, we've gone over this many, many times over, over the years that we've known each other, but and I'm going to take you back to a period of time before my time. Our colleague Steve was talking about this when he was working at TD back in the late 80s, early 90s on the discount brokerage side, the online brokerage. He was telling me about this, this scheme where 
uh, every Friday, there would be a pre-recorded message put out by a BC company, and it would have three stock picks, three penny stocks to buy the following week. And him being on the trading desk at this online brokerage, every Monday, he would look at the activity and see these three stocks over and over and over again. They got bid up, a bunch of people putting in orders. The price goes way up off the, the open on Monday morning. And then sure enough, shortly after, the price of the stock falls back. This is the classic pump and dump scheme, right, Colin? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's why they used to refer to the uh, BC Securities uh, as uh, Las Vegas North. I mean, it was the home of a lot of the penny stocks. And look, there's an argument to be made for penny stocks and for startup businesses and smaller companies. Absolutely. That's where businesses should start and it should be a healthy ecosystem. But the problem is, is it's prone to being pushed around by pump and dump schemes because the, the volumes are pretty slim. So it doesn't take a whole lot of interest to move these names around. So again, when you have a bad actor get involved who manages to get a megaphone, now back in Steve's day, we can start making fun of his age, you know, when it had to be a phone line you had to call to get a recorded message, oh, then now it's just, it's way easier just to fire that stuff out. And the bigger problem is, is, is that the, the harm is not really immediate and, and of a large enough magnitude to slow people down. Like a good buddy of mine's got an expression, nobody pretends to be an underwater welder. Well, that's because if you pretend to be an underwater welder, then when you screw it up, it's going to be really apparent really quickly, and you're not going to want to do that again. But in the world of the pump and dump scheme, it's just another idea. Or, you know, the Reddit thing is just always a new idea, and it's just, it becomes a bit of a cult. Like, just what's the next idea? Well, there is well, wanting to have a shortcut or want a secret, want to be on the inside. It's all about finding that one thing that's going to make it work. But, Josh, is it one thing that really makes it work? When we sit down and have our meetings every week to talk about money management, are we looking for the one idea? Is that what we're looking for? He said expectedly. No, I mean, it, it's obviously a lot more goes into it than that. And I think one of the things that you want to focus on when you're looking at advice or information is what's the, the qualifications or the expertise of that source of advice? Is it somebody on TikTok or somebody on Twitter who you don't really know who again, doesn't have really the, the ramifications of being wrong. What are the ramifications for that person of being wrong? If you have no personal relationship with them, if they have no tied financial interest to giving you good advice, then that's a bit of a problem for me. So looking again at their expertise, you know, credentials, that doesn't mean everything, but it certainly helps. Some of these people uh, that post their one minute TikTok video, they really have no experience or expertise or vested interest in some of these predictions being right or wrong. Uh, so that's part of it. You need to be able to look a little bit below the surface. Yeah, sure, maybe their results have been good for the last little while or they've made a couple right predictions, but is there some type of fundamental thought process that goes into making these suggestions, these recommendations? Because or else it's just the classic pump and dump. You pump something up, you get a whole bunch of interest in it. You're one of the first ones there. Once the price goes up, you bail, and everybody else is left holding the bag at the end of the day. And that's not fair to anybody, but that's the way that it's worked for a long period of time. And the actual secret to financial success is diversification. You know, it's not about finding the one good thing. It's about avoiding all the shit. So you want to make sure that you diversify yourself to avoid any big losses. The way math works, if I lose 50% of your money, I've got to make 100% to break even. That's math. The downside protection is far more important than catching this one sweet thing. It's like you only invested money in Amazon or Tesla. You can be a millionaire now. Shut up. 
It's not about finding the one company that's going to make you a millionaire. It's about having a strategy that can endure a global pandemic or worse. You, you don't want to be really, really concentrated with your financial future. Diversification is key. It's boring. It's as boring as ducks eating bread, but it works. It's safe and it keeps you as safe as you possibly can be in the screwed up world that we're in. It's not marketable. I mean, if you got graphics and you've got a sound card and you can bang the table and you've got a funny hairdo, then you're going to get followers. And if you get followers, you're going to make money. And if you were the first one into an idea that you're floating out there, then you're going to you know, do really well as well. Yeah. Just to go back to the diversification point and you're not trying to hit the home run, we can use the baseball analogy, right? If you hit a bunch of singles and doubles, you're going to do just fine. If you hit a, a bunch of home runs, yeah, I mean, you're you're looking great, but eventually you're going to strike out and you're going to strike out more often. And when you strike out, it's not you walking back to the dugout with your head held, held low. It's, okay, my money's now zero. <laughs> I struck out. I bought GameStop at 300. It's now worth 10. Uh-oh. Now what do I do? You got to go earn that money back because you're not going to hit the home runs on your investments like that, uh, it's just not not the prudent thing to do. Well, that goes back to how people look at risk when they come in and talk to us to say, hey, I want I want high risk, high return. It's like, well, no, 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 sometimes high risk means your money goes away. You know, that, that that's what high risk can mean. So, and, and again, our industry talks about risk very badly, low, medium or high. What does that mean? You know, it's, it's, it's a very abstract concept. And we take a look at things like this past year where we're dealing with a global pandemic. It's you know, what they would call a black swan event. So these events happen reliably. And they, if you actually take a look at some of the math where we try to quantify risk, these are one in a billion opportunities and they happen every couple of years. So you know, the, the math is failing us a little bit. So getting too, too precise in, in how we want to do things by not diversifying is where you can take some major risk. The global economy has got a great track record of moving. It's survived world wars, it's survived financial collapses, it's surviving pandemics. The global economy can move. You start to get too cute with what specific pieces you should put all your money in, then you're opening yourself up to really catastrophic risk. And as you said, your money can go to zero. And one of the things I think it's important is when you're getting advice from the source is to understand the business model of the source of that advice. You know, the other thing that we need to get out in the public, because again, we're bare naked, what's our business model here? So, you know, we are here providing this podcast to our audience, which we hope is some of our clients who have, you know, have a vested interest in us and want to hear our opinions on various things. Then we also have people who we'd like to have come check us out and see if they like us, see if it results in a phone call, see if we can generate some business out of it. If 20% or 30% of the listeners are either existing clients or prospective clients, then that is fine by us. And that is our business model. And that's us being bare naked. And so th this Reddit story kind of leads into some of these free online trading platforms. And their business model is to get you to trade as much as possible. I think there are, there are statistics out there that show a direct inverse correlation to the amount of trading relative to the, the success with your investing. So the more you trade, the less successful you are. And these online trading platforms, because this is how they make money, they want you to trade more and more. So they're gonna publish videos that talk about how great you are, how smart you are, how easy it is with our 10 hour program to teach you how to trade foreign exchange 
or how to trade options. They, they are going to do all kinds of things to make you feel very, very good about yourself with, you know, so that you feel confident, so that you go out there and you're very active, which is where they're going to make their money. Now, again, I'm not saying that it's all bad or all nefarious, but it might be a little bit optimistic. And I don't think all the risks are truly understood about doing things and, and taking this as your sole source of information. Because look, the market needs two sides. <laughs> your good buddy there, uh, James, who's uh, one of the analysts with the firm, I mean, he, when he and I ever get into it and I start really going at him saying, this is really stupid, you know, he'll shrug his shoulders. He goes, well, the market needs two sides, right? And it's like, oh, curse you, you're right. All right, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, we need to have room out there for all opinions because again, a, a fully functioning market has people on both sides of all the trades. Keep in mind, every trade means one person was buying, one person was selling. One person thought it was the right time to buy. The other person thought it was the right time to sell. In theory, they both can't be right. So again, we need to have a fully active and optimistic marketplace for it to function. So, Yeah, and it's great to have different platforms with, with different sort of goals and objectives and fit different client profiles. I think that the thing is, when you have a bunch of bells and whistles going off, when you place a trade on some of these platforms, it makes you feel all good, make you feel like you're at a casino and you just hit three sevens on the slot machine. That may not be in your best interest because it's just encouraging you to do things that history shows, data shows, not necessarily things that are the best practices for, for maximizing your wealth. Now, having not ever played a slot machine, is three sevens good, Josh? Yeah. You seem to know I about this. I, I couldn't tell you either, so we'll need a guest speaker, I think, next time to bring that into, but I, that's my understanding anyway. Um, see, see, in the interest of bare naked, I just wanted to make sure we were all out there that you and I really don't know what three sevens means, other than we've seen it in movies and everybody seems happy about it. That, that's right, yeah. I, I just know it, it looks like uh, coins are piling out of the machine when something like that happens. But the other thing you've been really critical on, Colin, is is the media and how it's very sensationalized and, and headline-driven. and. So this is a business model in and of itself, is it not? It's about chasing eyeballs, right? So again, plunge and soar are two great words you can use to describe the stock market. If I if I got on an elevator and there was two buttons and one said plunge and one said soar, I'd get off the elevator. I mean, it just means up and down, but they need to try to make it more sensational than the hurricane that just hit the Gulf Coast. They need to make it more sensational than you know, the bad jobs report or the, the election that just happened in Europe, they need to capture eyeballs because again, keep in mind, you're the product. You're the product, you're not paying to be there. You're the product, you know, and the, the same as with Robinhood, you're not paying to trade, you're the product. So they're trying to attract you there and keep your attention as long as they can so they can sell it and monetize it to advertisers. I think news isn't news as much as it's, it's entertainment. Like if you take a look at the web page, the landing page for any of the major news outlets, you're going to find some tragic story about some person who got marooned in a national park after 14 days and was found in their car, either dead or alive. It's like That's tragic. News? I don't think that I'm better off having heard that story from a news perspective, because I'm sure that there was negotiations going on about the Brexit deal, which would influence my world in a far more positive way if I understood. But no, no, they caught my attention. Damn it, every once in a while I will get my attention caught and I read about some dog that's doing a trick somewhere and I'm going, stop it. This isn't why I, I, I wanted to read something that was, that was important to me. This isn't it, but damn, that's a cute dog. That's what they're trying to do. And they do it very, very well. 
and there's algorithms that are trying to feed you the stuff that attracts your attention. They know when you're scrolling down how long you stay on part of the website. Oh, we got to give them more of that. Quick, throw some happy cats at them. Yep. Again, it's becoming more and more fine-tuned. So you you know, have to really concentrate on making sure that you're looking for and trying to consume more of a balanced picture. So it's funny you, you mentioned that thing about the national parks. And I got to pick on you for a second because aren't you the same guy that runs from the car to the condo and vice versa because you're scared about bears and like the one in a million chance of, of getting attacked from a bear when you're out in BC? But see, but see, this is one of those things. If it does happen, that's catastrophic. I think I should be afraid of catastrophic things. And I don't think it's newsworthy. The Nelson Star is not there taking pictures of me running on my car. Ooh, look at the look at the guy from Nova Scotia who doesn't know bears. Entertaining? Yes. Everybody gets a yuck for sure. It's not news. So so your version of running from the grizzly bears is the same as what we're talking about. You should avoid GameStop and other stocks like that that are boomer bust. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, there's no downside. Me running from a perceived threat in a bear? Eh, I got some exercise. You could argue that as a win-win. You know, if I'm going to spend money to avoid the bear, okay. I did buy bear spray, but it wasn't that expensive. Yeah. Some of the craziest stuff that I've heard from a, a media perspective recently is coming from Twitter, which should surprise nobody. Like one just stock market related, when Elon Musk a few weeks ago he he tweeted out use signal. And at the time he was referring to a messaging app that is sort of a substitute for WhatsApp. And the stock, the shares of this company called Signal, Signal Communications or something like that which was in no way related to this messaging app that Elon Musk was talking about. The shares shot up, you know, 100, 200, 300% on the day. And people are blindly following this advice. And it's, again, it's not even advice. It's somebody's opinion. It's barely information. And your interpretation of it is actually wrong in, in terms of how you're actually putting it to work. And again, it's part of it is, you know, the, the difficulty in, you know, in putting yourself out there and looking for good information. Right. So uh, anybody looking for a professional service, if I'm going out looking for a mechanic, I'm at the mercy of the person I walk into. So if I go out there and I have a bad experience a few times, then you know, back in my younger, more adventurous days, I go pick up an, the Haynes motor guide, you know, that's how to take my car apart and how to fix it myself. And I take it around to fixing it myself. And I try that for a while and you know, left by the side of the road a few times. You try not to do that. So it takes a little bit of effort to go out and seek good sources of information and be patient and have reasonable expectations. Those are all difficult things to do. So I understand where the market is for all of these shortcuts and all of these home runs. But at the end of the day, slow and steady is going to win this race. And you know, finding a trusted source that's not making outlandish claims, that you understand the business model, and you know that, that has some credentials and some history behind it, it's going to be boring. Money shouldn't be exciting. That's the other part of this. If you were excited by your money, you have a problem because that's going to lead you to making emotional decisions. If you're excited, that means you can get overconfident, which also means you can get sad, which also means you can get... You should not have these kinds of emotions around your money and making money decisions because it just leads to disaster. Yeah. Another point of recommendation that we can make when looking for the advice is looking for advice that's conflict-free or where the person giving the advice has sort of a, a tied or vested interest in making sure that advice works out for you. Like if you go to your mechanic and they're fixing your brakes for you and for the next 12 months they're in your car every time you are riding right along for you, 
I'm pretty sure they're going to fix those brakes properly. They're not going to half-ass anything. And that's what you want to do when you're looking for financial advice as well. There's something called a fiduciary. Fiduciary means that they're legally obligated to act in your best interest. And there's some areas of financial advice that do fall into that category. So that's a, a great spot to, to start looking. Yeah, and like you said, understanding the business model of your relationship. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough because time and time again, it just it points to the glaring conflict that can be there. Look, I mean, I, I would point out that again, our bias is because we're making our living at it, is that professional qualified advice is important. That's our bias. It's, you know, you can very easily tell that. You could also argue that the first victim of every great delusion is the perpetrator. So you could argue that, you know, we've convinced ourselves of this to such a level that, you know, we're out here making a living at it. But I think it stands up to scrutiny. Again, having seen it over and over again, there's no shortcut. You know, if it's not dealing with, it's dealing with a group like ours, and there are quite a few of them across Canada you can deal with. People that have perspective, that have credentials, that are staying on top of things, have a product offering that spans the marketplace. It's not just one company or one kind of product. You know, when you start to see those kinds of, of operations, and now this is sounding like a sales pitch, uh, you know, yeah, spend some time there. And again, it's not just us. There are many other groups out there like us that you can spend time with. And then you should start to develop a sense of comfort. You want a chef that eats their own cooking, right? If, if you went to a restaurant and you asked the chef, well, what do you recommend? And they said, well, I don't eat any of my food. I just cook it for you. You're going to have some questions. So... You know, we, we try to eat our own cooking, try to invest in our, our own advice as much as possible. Uh, and that's that's part of where you get that conflict-free advice and that alignment of interest. Well, Josh, it's been fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting some feedback as to the topics that people want us to dive into. Because, again, we talk about a lot of stuff in the run of a week, and I'm not sure exactly what's most meaningful. Um, we guess, and we try to put stuff together. But... If there's something, some topic that you'd like to see us spend some more time on, absolutely please uh, forward it off to us, and we'll do our best. If we can make enough interesting content for it, we'll, uh, we'll dig into it for sure. Yeah, and just even if you don't have a topic for us, just ask us some questions, and we'll be happy to answer it on the podcast here. Thanks for, for staying with it this long, and we're looking forward to your feedback, however you wish to provide it. Uh, always great talking to you, Colin. Appreciate your, your point of view, as always, and we'll talk to you soon. We've noticed something. It seems there are a lot of people who would rather try to figure out their lives with an online calculator than air your finances to a human. Stop doing that. You need to talk to someone who can help direct you, tell you where to start with what you've got to make the biggest impact on your future. You can't figure that out at doihaveenoughcash.com, but you can figure it out by chatting with us. Call us. It'll be okay. You'll see. Visit us online at wlwp.ca. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth, Inc. IA Private Wealth, Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth, Inc. operates.